isn't it? <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Sorry, everyone was laughing. So we're just coming into this LinkedIn live laughing. So um, uh, welcome to another one of Onlitica's uh, experts uh, LinkedIn live series. And this um, particular um, session is focusing on how to make um, employees more influential. Um, from an employee advocacy program manager's point of view. So um, delighted to be joined by uh, Anita Vaselli, uh, Director of Social Media and Advocacy at Ericsson, and Sarah, uh, CEO of Tribal Impact, um, an agency who activates employee voices. Uh, Sarah and Anita are known for uh, donkey's years, um, are very, very good friends of mine. They know so much about this topic. Um, so I feel like it's just a chat amongst friends. Um, uh, but I know that they'll deliver so much value to everyone listening here. So anyway, a very warm welcome to, to this session. Yeah, thank you. It is. It's a bit like a chat, isn't it? I should have got a cup of tea or something. I think it would be. <laughs> should have got some biscuits. Well, exactly. Yeah, in the afternoon. Sounds very English. It's a global session, but but we are you know all based in Europe here. So um, so there'll be lots of tea and biscuits. Um, hi, Jamie. Um, thanks so much for. I just wanted to encourage everyone to say hello from um, from the location that you're um, tuning in from, and please do keep the questions coming um, so that we can um, so that I can put Sarah and Anita on the spot, uh, which is my favourite thing to do. Uh, <laughs> in um, so just to set the scene a bit, um, because when we work for uh, work as employee advocacy or program managers, um, often uh, we're thinking about it from the brand's point of view. But this session is really about how can we you know, help and facilitate um, employees to be more influential you know, th through these programs. So just a bit of context on this, um, some of the sort of stats there, you know, content you know, shared by employees typically performs eight times as well as brand content. Um, and that's supported by a lot of the sort of social media publishing websites, as well as uh, some of the vendors. Um, Instagram is emerging as a, like a solid option for B2B marketing, says Hootsuite. So I think nearly, they said that nearly 60% of B2B marketers are planning to double their budget um, over the coming 12 months. Um, and two thirds of people, according to Edelman, um, think that societal leaders, whether that's government, journalists, or CEOs and corporations are trying to mislead, purposefully mislead um, uh, the, the consumer and, and just people in general. So there's a lot of distrust, you know, employee-generated employee generated content is trusted a lot more. Um, and so you're being able to help your employees become more influential is obviously, you know, a key advantage for brands, um, you know, in, the, in a very competitive environment. So um, that's just the context. And I wanted to um, come to you, Sarah. Um, you, you've obviously seen the category employee advocacy um, emerge. You know, it's in 2010 when the vendors started coming into the, into the category. So I just wondered um, how you think the category has developed and what you've seen most recently um, in terms of how it show up, shows up for the employees. Yeah, so I, that, yeah, it's true. I can't believe I've been doing this for that long. That's a bit, for a start, that's a bit, oh. um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, when I first started out, I think it was a new topic. I remember this, like 2009, 2010. I think B2B companies were just trying to understand social media. I was leading our social channels at SAP when I was there for EMEA. Um, and I started realizing that, you know, even I wasn't following our own corporate channels. I was actually following my colleagues on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And, and I suddenly thought, hold oh, on a minute. Um, 
you know, I'm actually more interested in what they've got to say than actually the only the content that I'm just pushing out, which is mainly campaign focused. And, you know, so that's that was my trigger moment to think, hold on, there's something going on here. There's got to be a different way to use the B2B platform, but actually use the voices of employees. Then it moved on a little bit. And then suddenly people cottoned on to this, I would say, probably 2015, 2016, employee advocacy tools exploded. And suddenly it became a new channel, right? So you've got the you've got your corporate channels on LinkedIn, you've got your, on Twitter. Oh, and we've got another channel called employees. So let's push the content through them. Um, and then I've seen it evolve yet again. And this is where I think brands are struggling because I think Brands are starting to see that uh, authenticity is key. I had to get that word in. It's the first one of the, the thing. But they, they start to see people seeing through this stuff, right? And they start they see all the same content on LinkedIn and all from the same employees with the same snippet. It's just, it's, it's a bit false. And I think, um, you know, they're starting to realize that actually employees hold the key. The challenge now, therefore, is activating employees what's the motivation what's the reason what's their role what's their goal what's it it's way more complex than just giving them a tool and saying send out some content so where where i see it going is a bit different did you ask me that like where i see it going or just over the last 12 years yeah just uh, <laughs> i guess i guess from an from an supporting employees point of view how and maybe in the last kind of 12 months as well how do you see how do you see um that you're having evolved you know, in terms of how organizations are supporting yeah. and, and how it's how it feels for employees to be you know, within these programs. Employees don't want to be used as a channel. So that's the first thing. So that, that does not motivate them. So if you see this tailing off on your employee advocacy platform, people aren't joining it, <clears throat> people aren't using it. The reason is because they don't want to be used as a, as a channel. Um, but those tools are really good for those that are a little bit scared, skeptical, want to step into social sharing. It's a safe zone because, you know, everything in there is kind of all checked off and sorted. So I, I see that. Now, the big difference I see really over the last two, one, two years is the enablement piece. The tool alone is not going to get you there. That, And we talked about this before. Tool set is great, but you also need the mindset first and the skill set to be able to do the behaviors on a consistent habit basis. So. Um, so I think companies are switching on to that now. So. And uh, and if we look at Ericsson, Anita, or just your wider experience of how organisations are dealing with this, what how well do you think organisations are doing in terms of supporting employees as people rather than a channel? I think it really, really differs. I think there are still companies who got stuck like where social was 10, 15 years ago. And it's really limiting that no employee shouldn't share, you You shouldn't do this, you are not a spokesperson, and they're really limiting. I think, Sarah, you have shared um, some an article with some examples that how employees have been fired just because of their social media content. Mm-hmm. And th- that's some companies are still there. And then others are either using employee advocacy programs or they still use email or WhatsApp that, you know, share it through that. And it's just like a copy paste and it's going to work. However, I mean, you cannot measure the impact that it's creating. And just as you said, Sarah, it's the same content. So whenever you search for any brand employee advocacy hashtag, 
you're going to see the same content piece and people are not really changing the text. They are not making it their own. And I think there are others who look at their executives and executive comms and it's social is part of that. Uh, whether it's fully managed by the comms team or some of them are being active, that you can also see, um, depending on where they are. Social selling is a different part. And that's where I think there are also big differences that salespeople as content creators or salespeople just use another channel instead of cold calling, sending cold emails, which are like totally ridiculous. I think this week, I was asked to join an oil and energy conference and talk about AI because they have seen my LinkedIn profile. I was like, seriously? I think you're the, I think you're the perfect person to do that. <laughs> yeah, you can Obviously, they have checked out my LinkedIn profile. Can we change the um, live to uh, AI within oil and energy? Go. So, <laughs> So I was like, yeah, maybe it's not me. Um, anyhow, and there are really few companies who I think are built a framework or trying to build that framework, how to cater for employees. And employees who want to be social, but they are actually afraid because they don't think that as an employee, they can build their professional brand or personal brand. They should maybe exchange ideas with peers who might even work for competitors. Mm. You know, that's a big no-no. Um, and in a conference setting, you would talk to your competitors, obviously not changing ideas about like how to sell or, or your um, uh, most sacred secrets, but you still have that conversation. So I think most of the companies are still trying to figure it out, how to do it the best possible way. And to be honest, it's not easy. No. For brands and for companies, it's so much easier. Here's a tool. Here's the content. Everything is on you. Getting into that coaching, the e-learning modules, and some people love e-learning. For others, you say that, oh, here are the e-learnings and you should do them. No, if I don't get coaching, I'm not interested. So I was, and... I'd love to ask you a question, if I if I may, because I read on one very prominent vendor's website uh, just just yesterday when I was doing some extra research that um, employee advocacy is the promotion of an organisation through its workforce. Yeah. And I thought, like, <clears throat> you know, other other vendors are a big part of the identity crisis. Or is there an identity crisis in terms of how we're approaching and the definition? I'd love to, I'd love to hear your thoughts on on that because that kind of you, you kind of understand why they're saying it, but but what I'm hearing from you is that obviously if organisations are trying to do it through the channel like you're saying, Sarah, and trying to sort of do the framework through the tool, and they're geared up to do that, you know, are we destined for failure unless people have a more of a strategic mindset? Yeah, I mean, so my view on that is that is a step in the evolution of employee advocacy. I think the really forward thinking brands have taken it a step further and they've recognised that actually their employees are the sum of the uh, the brand voice. Um, and actually it's the experts within the company that the ones that they're the ones that customers love to work with, that influencers want to talk to. 
um, they're the they're the experts, right? And I'm not just talking about technical experts. It's everyone. It's the it's the person at the reception desk when you walk in and they smile at you. It's that entire customer experience that your employees provide. And the 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 recognition of uh, employees are a channel. That was a step in the in the maturity of the employee advocacy journey. And I think you're right. I think there is a bit of a confusion around what employee advocacy really means because I think people have really misunderstood it. I talked to Susan Emmerich about this, and we kind of talk often about you know this is who created the wrong perception of advocacy because actually it's about putting your employees in front of the logo and you could even take that one step further you could put your partners in front of the logo some of these big brands work with small you know isv type partners and var partners why don't you use the use your power of your big brand to shine a spotlight on your partner ecosystem that don't have the big budgets for adverts in google and you know so it's all about really putting the community in front of the logo and i think the ones that really do it well or the forward-thinking ones are the ones that have recognized that so so how i love that how about we redefine the category right here right now with anybody in the audience who is listening you know what's a better term like how could we how could we evolve this? Um, but I, I think you're, I think you're, I think you're totally right, Sarah and Anita and Ericsson, you, You've obviously been supporting a lot of exec, subject matter experts, you know, salespeople. Um, what do you think it takes to develop um, a successful program that has the employees at the heart of the program? I think it is really important to first get the buy-in because as you see advocacy in general and in the industry term is really about no they always have to speak about the company and you don't speak always about your the company that you work for I mean even not not even your family like because you have so many varieties of of conversations that you can have and you can share um and I think that is really important to get the buy-in internally, that just because someone is actually not necessarily sharing the branded content, but they are active on social media, they are interacting with their own colleagues or other departments, with their peers, they use social for learning, and through what they share, they also inspire others. And many times that's kind of like the PR part but I think in marketing or in other parts of the organization, they don't necessarily understand that sometimes you don't have to say something because people know when you want to build trust, do you write press releases that we are such a trusted company that you can trust in me? No, you don't do that. Like you interact with others and you build that trust through relationships you don't tell others that, oh, we are so diverse, and then they check out your website and everyone is a white male. Because people can see. So the, the whole society, and I think Gen Z and everyone who's the, the next generations and who are getting like leadership roles, they are not stupid. They can see through. And I think this is why it is important to get that internal uh, knowledge sharing and get people on board that the investment that you put into your employees, just that they're gonna stay at your company, the way they also represent themselves on social media that reflects back on your brand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, go for it. 
Yeah, and no, I was just going to just expand on that point, actually, because I, I have seen this as a bit of a common mistake where I think, you know, especially senior leaders, can, I have a bit of trouble really getting over the fact that we are training employees to build their own voice on social in the context of the brand. We're not training them to be a channel for our content. Um, and I do think it's a hard pill to swallow for, for senior leaders because their immediate reaction is, is, oh, so you want them to build a brand so they can go and get another job somewhere else and get headhunted and our competitors can get, is that is that what you're telling me? That's the jump to conclusion. Um, and it is so not like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think we, we did some interesting analysis looking at like the glass door, you know, so the impact of having social CEOs on their glass door rating and, um, you know, their employer brand perception from their own employee community. And it's it's really interesting when you start to look at the correlation. It's, it's not massive difference, but the overall average is quite a bit higher and you know you've got to it's more than just using them as a channel and I think the education piece and the buy-in is key yeah and, I, and and it's really interesting because it just uh just yesterday I actually heard from a brand that says um let's not have our sales leaders be our main advocates because they will leave quite quickly or there's a shorter time frame that they will stay within the business and they'll probably go to competitors so I it, it's it's it is difficult to hear that, but you also do understand where they're coming from like in terms of too big because you because we might lose them in 12 months. But I guess that is the, the short sighted, uh, what you'd say is a short sighted view for the greater good that you can get from the from the program. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, actually, Jamie shared something on there in the in the chat there. Another great stat, 78% of sales reps who engage on social selling are consistently outperforming their peers. It's, it's so sad. There's a massive attrition in, in the IT industry anyway, in talent, um, which, is a, which is a huge problem anyway. Um, but people need to realize that activating leaders is a huge part of attracting and retaining talent. Employees want to work for transparent, open, accessible leaders, you know, um, and... It's part of opening doors at a more senior level with in accounts. It's you know your sales leaders do need to be on social. Um, all leaders need to be on social. So, yeah. absolutely. So I've, got, I've got a great question from uh, from Dave Perry. Thanks for listening, Dave. And Dave actually sent this question in yesterday, so I wanted to pick up on it. His question was, who do you bring on board your your employee advocacy program at the start? Do you, do you bring on board social savvy, active junior level employees, or your never posted senior leaders? Um, Anita, what would you say when you um, maybe advice to people who are starting or, or what you might have done at Ericsson? Uh, I would actually probably do both of them. Uh, I think it's difficult to choose if you go for the executives who never posted. First of all, it's really, really hard to get the buy-in. And you might get the buy-in that, yeah, yeah, I understand, um, but they're not going to spend time because they don't have time. So it's not going to be a priority for them. And then you are you don't really have any positive feedback because you put so much effort and work into it and they want marketing or comms to actually do social for them. Uh, and it is really, really difficult to get senior executives. Maybe you get like one out of 20 or 25. Um, when you look at the junior people, they live and breathe social. They usually grew up with it. So it becomes easier for them to create content. And you only 
the only thing you need to do is build that confidence or support them how to do it that the best possible way and also within the boundaries. So if they are even filming for TikTok, maybe don't do it in a secure area at the company because that's a no-go. So give them the, those frameworks. And what you might can do is actually connect the senior executives with your young peers, that they can exchange ideas, that they can learn from each other. I think that could be a good possible way to see and whatever the junior people are creating, the impact that you can show to senior executives and maybe also just like a trial and error and also to say that, okay, we posted kind of like the same topic on you executive profile and, and also on the, the corporate one. Whoa, wow, yours outperformed the company one. So what is it worth to invest time here and maybe it's just like 10 minutes a day. Um, and I think that could be probably the best possible way to integrate the two. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I love your um, your comment about the buddy system. And I was gonna <clears throat> I was gonna ask you, Sarah, because I I was at a women in tech event just the other day and and uh, we've talked a lot about I think um, you know senior women, you know, helping to bring up other women in the organization and sort of helping their careers and you know, Rob McCargo at PwC is talking about mentoring people on social and actually driving engagement for them by by just being part of their social journey and so tagging them in posts and things like that. What, what, what have you seen work in terms of the kind of buddy system and, and do you think it works really well with organizations? Yeah, so it's a bit like reverse mentoring, isn't it? And I think you can always, different generations within the workforce um, bring different skill sets because actually the, the, the younger, perhaps less experienced, they're very digital savvy, but actually maybe not in the business context, which is where, you know, some, someone who's been in the organization, a little bit more experienced may be able to bring that. So I think there's something to give on both sides. It's not just for one way thing um but it, it's a very natural thing i think for early talent to bring content creation skills digital all on on the phone you know they can whip up a great TikTok video with filters and all sorts of things in in the space of minutes whereas that would be quite mind-blowing for someone who's a bit older and maybe can't you know they're used to writing but different horses for courses right different things to suit different people and i think for me the the key thing to recognize is that you're not gonna get every employee is not going to be creating content from the word go there is a journey um and i think i have seen this actually in some companies where they just they just want to get employees creating content it's too fast too quick it depends on the role it depends on their motivation their experience their confidence level like you said anita um they're all starting from different places and they move and learn in different ways um so you can't uh you can't assume that everybody's going to get there not everybody will so just don't you know don't assume that's going to happen but reverse mentoring i think works both ways and it can you know it can but, be really good so what about uh, anita if you took the ceo of ericsson with the latest intern why don't they create a tiktok video together with the with the business and then the you know the TikTok <laughs> one? That, surely that surely that's the next idea isn't it <laughs> Berlia can be really cool. I <laughs> he was serving, you know, lunch at Mobile World Congress for the staff. So he is a fun one, and he also uh, plays ping pong whenever uh, he's at the office. Um, I'm not sure he's gonna be up for a TikTok dance, uh, but we can ask him. <laughs> it have to be a dance, is it? <laughs> 
yeah. But I, I, I love that because, you know, actually I want to create some TikTok videos, but I have to sit with my, with my niece and uh, we walk through the different stages, but I really want to do it. And, and if we were working together in an organization, I could probably have some of the business content. She would know how to, how to, uh, you know, how to operate all of the features, which I kind of got, you know, most of the way down the road, but then didn't, didn't actually publish something. So, um, but I, I, I think there's more, I think there's more to that. I see it working really well with organizations and mentoring. And I know that there's been some good examples you've seen. Um, so I, I just thought it seemed like a fantastic way of, um, of doing that. You know, when we all talk about employees and external influences, it's sort of sharing networks and sharing experiences. Um, because I'm just trying to think of the motivation with the employees. So um, turning this round to one of the other challenges we talked about, um, I know that Sarah Anita um, and I have talked a lot about when you're a brand, you've got owned assets and you've got campaigns and you've got an employee advocacy tool. That is obviously the channel working that you're you're, you're obviously trying to um, um, see how much progress you can make. But Sarah, how do you approach it the other way in terms of the motivations for the employees? Anita has been talking about getting buy-in, like asking what really works for them having the different types of employees come in, but what have you seen work really well with um, having a program that has the, the motivations of the employees at the core? Yeah, I, I, I honestly believe you kind of need to come at it from that angle. And it ties a little bit to David's uh, question actually about, um, you know, do you go for the younger gen generation? Or do you go for the ones that don't use anything? Or how do you, how do you get your advocacy program off the ground I would say I mean I've worked with customers where you know that maybe they've bought a small pilot for employee advocacy tool and then when you look at how many have been sharing on LinkedIn in the last 30 days and it's so much more than what they've got on the advocacy tool and you kind of think start with the ones that already have a foot in the game right start with those because that that will get you the quickest success and the easiest success so don't go for you know non-actives demographics don't don't do that but look at the ones that are already active and i think to your question tim this this will help you get this will help you ramp up and and try and do a little bit of uh analysis you know why are you on social what are you hoping to get out of it what, what's your motivation i think you can broadly look at roles and goals so leaders will have a certain goal um and at this point in time for many leaders it is about talent engagement retention um acquisition you know they they have a, a very a clear role i think to be on social um whereas sales is about deepening relationships growing relationships ultimately they want to increase their pipeline their deal sizes shorten sales cycles we're seeing this trend across a lot of organizations at the minute that the the sales process is slowing the buying circle is getting bigger the decision making process is going higher it's slowing things down it's quite a common issue so you know sales have specific goals as well so you can kind of broadly look at but don't try and treat everyone the same because they will have different motivations technical expert they you now they're the tricky ones actually because technical experts they don't want to be celebrities they don't want to be popular they don't want to be social media superstars or influencers that does not float their boat deep technical knowledge and their learning and increasing their learning and connecting with customers on a different level the motivations tend to sit there um so when you try and talk to these audiences, really remember who you're talking to and how they might be motivated because it will be different. So, that, I think that's a fantastic framework. And with the subject matter experts, uh, Anita, what do you think their main motivations typically are? If the sales 
you know, are trying to drive revenue and convert pipeline. Exec leaders are trying to you know, uh, uh, help develop, develop, attract and retain talent, uh, as well as other things. What do you think the subject matter experts are most driven by? I think it's uh, it's similar to what Sarah sees. Um, I think it is interesting to see that, for example, on Twitter, there are really big developer engineer communities. And really few people know, um, or they are active on other platforms because they want to learn from each other. Um, they always have some problem to sort out or to find a solution. And where can they find it? So going to them and trying to understand that how they are using social or how they are interacting with their peers. Many times they are not the extroverts, but the content that they create can be super valuable, even that you and me, we're not going to understand anything out of that. Um, I'm going to on AI in the energy side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we can find it, that one, Anita. <laughs> it's, it's super engaging for others. Yeah. And I think finding that motivation or sharing some of their ideas or showcasing, um, I really, really love some of the research and development people who work for Ericsson. And usually people don't necessarily understand like why, because we are so, so different. But I'm amazed how their brain works. That just, you know, the, oh yeah, I had a little bit of time and they just built like a tank, uh, you know, <laughs> that can just like go around at home. And oh, I had to build a smaller one because my wife wasn't happy with it. <laughs> Like, okay, so you just did another one. And, and they are finding solutions to real life problems uh, and even outside the work. And they are so proud of that. So uh, I think those could be some of the motivation, uh, what you need to find. But um, And I think sometimes it's really that patience or connecting them with external, not influencers, but subject matter experts. When they can exchange some of those ideas and they can talk the same language, what they are used to and they feel comfortable, um, I think that can be the real motivation and, and how to work with them. I've got, a, I've got to share an example of this story. So it's a very technical guy who I used to sit near, actually, when I lived in Oslo. Um, and years ago, and I was like, you he was a technical expert in retail analytics expert I said you really want to be on social you're, you're so knowledgeable you really want to show this share this out and no social's not for me Sarah I was like oh okay and then a few a couple of years ago I checked his profile he's got like 11,000 followers now and he's producing these really quite technical deeply technical videos with robotic voices in the background and they break all the LinkedIn rules they're 20 minutes long and you know what I mean but his audience love them they soak it up they can't it's like Netflix they can't wait for you know they just need to binge watch all of them and I think this is a great example where you know and he's and I, I called him and I said you know what's going on here then and he said, now I'm connected to customers, not just in the Nordics, but in Australia, in, in Brazil, in North America, in Canada. He goes, my knowledge has expanded. I'm seeing retail in different geographies. And, you know, and it's, it's but that, there's the motivation. There's the, you know, this is, it's the knowledge, it's the knowledge increase. And I just, yeah, it's a great example, I think, about activating technical audiences. Totally, totally different mindset, different goals. I, I think those are two beautiful 
stories. And I was speaking to just last week, um, Jill Kaplan from Dell, who's a, a big sort of 5G subject matter expert. She said her boss was amazing, just letting her be who she wanted to be. And she's exchanging knowledge with external subject matter experts. So it's clear that with these with these three kind of stories that they that they want to be part of a community, whether that's internal and external. Um, I, I guess that probably begs the question, you know, how can employee advocacy program managers or marketing or whoever's running the program enable, you know, community or how can they how can they have a mindset shift to be able to um, Le you know, not to be able to leverage that, to be able to um, help develop subject matter experts, but then obviously the brand can leverage the, the developed influence in the community in a win-win situation. Mm. It drives it. It drives innovation. I think once you get over this, um, the, this mindset that you know advocacy is about getting content out there, then the evolution is that as you start to you start to curate. Uh, influencers in your own right your experts become influencers in the market then you connect them to other influencers they love that it sparks ideas it sparks innovation it sparks conversations it sparks introductions right it impacts the entire business and and I think this is where social needs to be elevated up outside of marketing or comms or wherever it sits it needs to be this is a business impact and and it impacts everything like attract how you attract employees how you attract customers it impacts everything and i think you know the, this it's lovely to see companies evolving like this where they try something else and i was just talking to somebody this, this morning actually and he said i think we're ready to start doing influencer activation and get some of our experts into the industry and talking to others and I'm like yes and this create this is creative and it's innovative and so yeah sorry so how because so how, i think you're spot on we, and a lot of us would agree with you how but obviously organizations struggle with it and so mm -hmm. dave's got another question about you know how do you promote your ea program outside of your user base mm -hmm. um how do we create these mindsets i mean what what have you seen as successful anita outside of maybe the employee advocacy program to business leaders or people in analysts or media relations or you know, what's been successful to elevate can have you seen the mindset shift either in ericsson or other companies you know, whatever you want to talk about yeah. i think it is really an interesting one because i started to reflect that you know social media has grown up it's it's 19 years old if we um look at myspace whenever it started However, and, and at the beginning, what uh, Sarah was also reflecting on, uh, companies really tried to figure out like what to do with social media. Should we have like branded accounts or, or what to do? And most companies still stuck at kind of like that level when everyone was opening up, you know, branded accounts and, and it was kind of like, kind of like the total chaos or, or the, the wild, wild west. And now, if you don't have a social media function that really has a governance, it has the infrastructure, you cannot really work with social on a scale, whether it's influencer marketing, employee advocacy, branded accounts, content, and you cannot really connect the dots. What is the impact? So everyone is doing something. Everyone is super busy. But at the end, this was the business problem oh, we didn't do any strategy or like, this is how we're going to do it. Oh, these are all of the things that we have done. But yeah, but how do they connect? Yeah. And I think many times 
doing less, but with that impact in mind and measuring from the beginning would be kind of like the key. And I also agree with Sarah that social is sometimes in digital marketing, in corporate comms or in HR, even social or employee advocacy or influencer marketing are not part of like that one function. And if it's not elevated, at least to direct report to the CMO where you would attract like talent and governance and, and social should be embedded into so many of those functions from cybersecurity um, to sales teams, marketing, PR, business areas, market areas, you need to have a proper function with specific roles to, to, to be able to support that. And I think that mindset, mindset shift is still not necessarily there at most of the companies. And that is due to there are still a lot of marketing and communication people who don't understand social. Okay, we have the campaign. Here's a post. You posted it. We ticked the box. That's great. And we have done paid social and organic social. Um, but it's not really how it impacts business, just as you said, Sarah. So I think that mind sh mindset shift still needs to happen. And that's a lot of education internally. The, the trends, the discussions that we are actually having and how companies need to transform and maybe even find the blank sheet of paper. That this is how we have done social. This is where the trends are going. And we need to kind of like rethink from the beginning. And uh, on the note for you, David, um, with uh, employee advocacy program, I absolutely think so. Whenever you have a chance, like this is an area where you cannot really over communicate. So uh, on the internet, have maybe a link where they can reach like your specific employee advocacy website, where they can find inspiration or others or articles, um, the e-learning uh, programs that you ha might have available, some Q&A. Uh, you can use digital signage. You can use, I don't know, CEO newsletters if, if those are um if you have like security newsletters, like Cybersecurity October, uh, maybe build some of your social media into that. So whatever option you have, because most people don't read emails, they don't go to the internet. So you also need to cater. And if you have uh, all leaders meetings or all employee meetings, those are also a good opportunity to bring up advocacy or just like uh, maybe just a social media tip that you always want to be known or heard of because if people don't hear about social or your program they're not gonna care so i would suggest that whatever opportunity you have and you are like sick of your voice you're sick of your sentences that's when it's gonna start to work um so yeah good luck with that david and i love your questions thank you for asking no I did. that's a, that's great advice um sarah would if you imagine, since employee-generated content you know, outperforms brand content, whether it's eight times, whether it's twice or four times, it's still more successful, uh, typically. Mm -hmm. So in your wildest dreams, if businesses were investing more into employee-generated content, what, what, what would that look like to you if you could magic up? your dream situation that would be my ultimate goal i i just wish marketers and i am a marketer right but i just wish that we'd realize that we 
we we invest a lot of money on campaigns creating content that kind of thing but you're actually sat on top of your possibly your best content generators at all uh, of all and if you just carve off a little bit of your content budget just a little bit to support your employees to create their own whether that's enabling your employees show just little things like phone photography i mean we we just did a blog the other day about going to events more people are going to events now teach your employees how to go to an event you, with social around it before during and after things like how to digitally take notes and pictures of slides add notes to it how to do a, a a twitter stream so when you're at the event how you can actually do a whole stream to capture the notes that you can then lift and turn that into a blog afterwards teach them the behaviors that allow them to become natural content generators um and i think for me that that's key but some will need a bit more help right some will need budget some will need video support some will need um you know that kind of thing and that that's fine too i i would love to see my my mission is to get marketers to really recognize and to siphon off a bit of that budget and increasingly more of that budget to help employees put content and there's a there's a really good um study actually i can't i haven't got it in front of me but if you tap in google edwin and linkedin the b2b content study there mm. are some brilliant stats in there about how buyers expect authentic content they want to see thought leaders from your company authoring the content um do you know what i mean there's so many things in there that say this is the way to go. So, so start thinking about how you do that and how you move it that that way. So, yeah. that's just some ideas. I absolutely love those ideas. Anita, what, what what's your perspective? What what other things would you love to see um, to to really fuel this? Um, you know, to to be able to not only help them create content, but also to help them increase and improve their influence if and visibility if, if that's what they want. I would love to also say the, the content creation piece. Um, and I think many of these, whenever you look into budget, it really comes back to the losing control. The brands need to be comfortable with that. So why do I invest in a content where I cannot really see the near-term impact? Yeah. Uh, and I think going through that and where budgets are shifting, um, is, is, is a key challenge, but I fully agree with you, Sarah, that ideally supporting employees that their content might not be uh, as polished as like a marketing material, but actually so much cheaper. Do you know like a professional video or like creating a blog? I mean, in a big matrix organization, from the idea to actually it's published and I don't know how many people approve it and everyone has an opinion. Uh, by the time it's published, sometimes it is outdated. And um, and I, I would love to say, you know, maybe people don't want to create those TikTok videos, but just the short form of video could be super interesting because that's what we also see that maybe you don't want to be on TikTok where it's not a dance, but just taking the idea and using the short form videos, how to explain different ideas. Is it, uh, I don't know, reorganizing your kitchen, Mary doing it, um, giving tips like what you do, um, how to do that. So I think that's going to be so important moving forward. Um, and that content going to resonate so much better with external audiences than the typical marketing ones. Mm. 
Yeah, I was going to say, and employees, you see it in the employee advocacy data. You see employees wanting to share peer content more than any other source of content. You see it reflected in the numbers. And employees want to shine a light on their peers. They want to, you know, to, to say, oh, yeah, I shared that too. So I think giving employees the skills to do it, carving off a bit of budget to accelerate some of that, especially for your experts or your leaders as well that need a bit of a helping hand. And what a perfect opportunity to sort of bring in influencers at the same time, you know, and, and co-create content. It's just, it, it's a yeah. great thing. And I think I think customers expect it, employ, future employees expect to see more of it. MBs want to do it, not all of them, but employees want to do it, but they're scared or they don't know how to. So skills, enablement, budget, there you go. Yeah. There you are. Skills enablement budget. That's done. Easy. Done. Our job here is done. <laughs> Stop making it too complex, everyone. Just um, yeah, but actually, to that away. point, Tim, I think a lot of people then go, "Oh, we can't get budget. Budgets are flat. Budgets are getting cut." It's about being smart with budgets. You can redirect budgets. Yeah. Um, you know, redirect a bit of your paid social, redirect a bit of your, you know, it's not, it's about being smart with budgets and testing it and measuring it. And then, yeah. But I do think that, I do think that's a really key point. You do hear people thinking, oh, it's a new business case. It's a new idea. But uh, Anita, to your point, if you say to someone funding it, this is a cheaper way of creating content that will be more effective. That, sound, that sounds like a good thing to do. Um, yeah. Or let's do less paid and, and, create more content there, but we will showcase the same results. And if it's not you know, worse than that, then you keep on going because it's better quality. Um, th th there are more you know, ingenious ways of asking for budget, isn't it, than um, asking for you know, five grand or 15 or 30, uh, 30 new, um, uh, new, new, new budget lines um, to be able to do this. Um, so we're obviously going to 2023 soon. We're going to budget planning mode for people in sort of calendar year. Um, where do you see that there's going to be some advances? I'd love to sort of, for you to leave the audience with you know, where you see it heading. We, we've obviously talked about what we would love to see. Um, where do you see as the sort of next big um, advancement in the industry? Do you want to go for it? <laughs> <laughs> you go first. <laughs> We're quite sorry. aligned in our thinking, aren't we? I think you, you'll probably speak for both of us. <laughs> I think 2023, if you look at all the trends and, and Gen Z is also getting into senior decision-making uh, roles, uh, that how they are using the different platforms. For example, some of them, they don't even know, you know about um, Associated Press or um, Wall Street Journal but they know about the social platforms that they use and who are the most influential people they follow and they trust. How do they consume kind of like news and what is happening? I think brands really need to take a look at that and recreate how they work with their own employees and those influencer communities. Of course, media relations and, and different bodies shape each of the, the the businesses so it's not just your customers or future talent but you have governance uh, governments and, and policy makers you have journalists and media industry analysts um who else do you have i don't know you have uh, quite a few stakeholders and go back to the drawing board that what is the best possible way to build relationship with them 
and not just near term, but think about like two to five years. Who's going to make the decisions in five years and start working towards that? Uh, look at your budget, just as we said, reshifting some of that. Uh, do you want to create faster, uh, more authentic or reliable content pieces? Who are your best um, employees and who are the influencers or subject matter experts externally? They can create it so much faster in a more engaging, probably, manner, which is a lot more fun to watch. And it's so much cheaper and faster. So I think rethinking the budget, the processes, and, and how you approach the same problems, really stopping that, okay, this is what we have done. What we need, where do we need to be in five years? And starts to work towards that one in 2023. Mm. Great. Yeah, I think that's amazing. What about you, Sarah? Yeah, I love that point about Anita, about thinking five years time and how they're consuming content. And, you know, we've just got to, we've got to be ahead of it, you know. And um, for me, I think uh, I think getting a bit more data driven around it because we constantly a lot of people are saying about social, you can't prove the value of it. I think the ones that were ahead of this game earlier in the, you know, it's say the SAP that we're doing this quite early on um you know they, they've sort of made a way through the mistakes I'm seeing a lot of organizations fast tracking through those mistakes now and actually even dabbling in more advanced stuff really quicker so I, I love that I love all the, the the more traditional industries that are entering right now um actually seeing results much faster because they're learning from all the the historical stuff um I think we'll also start to see more correlations between different programs. And you mentioned this earlier, Anita, you know, this duplication, duplication of programs, bigger companies that have been doing this for a long time will find multiple advocacy tools, multiple social selling licenses, multiple, multiple this, multiple that, you know, actually, I think we'll see a lot of consolidation within brands because we need to be more cost efficient. And I think you'll start to see more correlation and patterns. So when you're looking at your future experts, your future employee influencers, when one leaves and goes to another company, and we know it's a very volatile market, and that happens a lot right now, when one of your influencers leads, who, who's your next employee influencer in the pipeline? And how do you identify them? And how you how do you bring them up? And how, how do you watch for that? It's like talent pipeline. You've got... You've got to be ready for that um so don't just go oh they've left and you know this has left a hole in our advocacy results and our share of voice and you know it's like yeah you should have been ready for that so use your data to to prepare for that i love that Tom, about employee influencers yeah yeah i was just yeah. going to say that with tom uh, bukheim thanks very much for your contributions tom like very um good comments and um and statements there and talking about employee influences you were using the term I didn't know because whether you saw the comment or whether it was just all the worlds aligning um, in one go but um, maybe maybe employee uh, maybe the the word influence I mean it depends what they want I suppose from that but community influence your know, employee um, you know talent development is what we're, we're trying to get at isn't it rather than um, the brand advocacy um, you know, being so front and center um, of the program. So uh, I've really enjoyed um, chatting to you as ever. Um, thank you so much. I'm sure the audience got a lot of value um, out of it. Um, uh, we're we're going to see a lot of changes. Uh, I think the summary from what I heard is, is, is really just making things more human, having more agile content creation, hopefully more cost effective. Um, but I loved your point, Sarah, about splitting down the 
the motivations in sort of three different categories so that you're not confusing exec leaders with with people that are obviously uh, wanting to build community um, potentially. So um, amazing uh, tips and advice. Thank you so much. And um, and we'll be uh, with you next month for Analytica Experts Live um, on a completely different topic. So thank you to all of you and see you soon. Thank you. Pleasure as thank always. You.